Hey everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. As a lot of you know, these conversations began as joined live streams that turned into podcasts to help reach more people and spread more hope. Thank you so much for your patience with the quality of sound as we figure out the best way to bring you these important chats, just in hopes of spreading more love and positivity. I hope you enjoy. Everybody on Instagram, this is Casey Joe. Um, yes, so I kind of introduced you a little bit, but a ton of people have logged on since then. So I'm going to kind of let you introduce yourself, just a brief summary, kind of why we're having this discussion and um, your diagnosis, what year and things like that. Okay. So uh, like she said, and thank you for having me, Townsend. This is... Oh gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so I'm Casey. I am 32 years old. We have two boys and they're amazing. They're wild. And I'm married to Jesse. I'm married to Jesse. I was diagnosed October 3rd, 2019. Gosh, it seems like forever ago now. Um, yeah, it doesn't run in my family. It is um something that totally caught me off guard. So you know, ever since then, life has been interesting. It's been full and rich, but it's also been a lot. So I'm trying to navigate that now. Now you got diagnosed um, with what? What stage and everything like that? Okay. So I was diagnosed with stage three, triple negative breast cancer, which is a more aggressive one. Um when all that happened, do you feel like something was off or did it catch you completely off guard? Was there something you felt? Cause I mean, I know women have a crazy intuition. Yeah. So I was nursing our youngest son and to be honest that while nursing that the right side of, or my right breast did not produce as much. And I thought that was weird. And I still don't know if that was related, but it drew my attention to kind of, if you've ever breastfed any of you moms know, um, say I, have, I know you, you haven't, but so it caused me to kind of feel around massage and just, I found a lump and I thought for sure it's related to breastfeeding, like breast cancer doesn't run in my family. It, it can't be cancer. Yeah. And so I actually, that was in June, 2019. And I went to my PCP and she said, you know, is it changing? And I said, well, really, I don't, I think it is. I said, I think it kind of gets bigger and smaller. And I just, you know, she said, well, if it doesn't go away, then you need to call your OB. Well, because of the location of it, it was um, a hard to, to reach area. It was actually underneath my breast that I kind of just forgot about it and I thought it went away. And so I, that was in June and in August, I found it again. Jesse was actually elk hunting and I found it. And when he got home, I said, look, I've got to call my OB. That spot's still there. And he thought, I'm sure it's nothing. And, um, you know, turns out it was. So we had a mammogram on a Monday. I had a biopsy on a Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. I went out to eat with two friends Um for their birthday and I got a call that told me unfortunately that the tumor was malignant and I was in pure shock because yeah I had a, a baby and a two-year-old that wasn't supposed to happen to me yeah that's I remember that phone call like it was yesterday yeah I called you, you that actually, night yeah yeah you called me um I was actually at the singer songwriting festival in Florida so I was playing with like singer songwriters for Tim McGraw and Taylor Swift and I was on this high and I remember thinking, what is Casey Joe doing calling me? Mm -hmm. uh, and I picked it up and you told me, and I thought, no, what? Yeah. Like we're 30. This isn't supposed to, this isn't supposed to happen. Right. No. And so I remember talking to you and of course, Lauren Taylor was there and man, if you guys don't have yourself a Lauren Taylor, you need one. She she's is my girl's best friend. <laughs> she a girl. She's, a girl. Um, she's amazing. Uh, been Casey's backup since day one. Um, with that, you've kind of been um, on our little high school group about doing monthly checkups, which I appreciate that because honest to goodness, it never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of explain, there are a ton of women on here, men, stick with it. Cause if you get married, if you have a girlfriend, whatever, you need to inform them as well. 
Um, so kind of explain how women can and should be checking themselves. How often? I mean, okay. this is something a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And it's something I wasn't doing either. Um, unfortunately, cancer doesn't wait until you turn 40 to get a mammogram. Most insurances won't pay for it, sadly, until you're 40. Um, now, okay. some will if you have a family history. One of my coworkers, Ashley, she gets one yearly. Her mom is a breast cancer survivor. And so that's something you could check into with your insurance. But a lot of the times they won't, which is sad. Um, that's crazy. It is. It's crazy because, you know, it's not a big number, but 4% of women under the age of 40 are diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was one of them and I didn't have a family yeah. history. So anyway, I would recommend doing it. And I mean, any doctor would recommend doing it once a month. Um, I like to call it, feel it on the first. That's what several girls have always, that I follow now that are breast cancer survivors have told me. And so um, basically you can look in the mirror um, and use three fingers and just palpate around your breast, palpate underneath your armpit. You can do it in the shower, but one thing I would recommend is making sure that you lay down and put your arm up and go underneath because that is yeah. where my tumor was. My tumor was not visible. Okay. My tumor wasn't anywhere that I could just boop, boop, boop and feel it. You had to literally put your arm over your head to feel mine. And I don't know how many girls are doing that wow. once a month, but yeah, thankfully I I was nursing and found it in time. Um, you want to look for swelling. You want to look for redness, uh, dimpling of the skin, any contouring and changes to the nipple area. That's what you're looking for. So anything out of the ordinary, you need to follow up with. And I know it's scary. A hundred percent. I mean, I thought I found something in June and then forgot about it and didn't want to believe it was real. And then, you know, four months later, here I was and, so anyways, yeah, once a month, um, I would definitely do it. it. It's scary, but if you get into the routine of it, you know you're normal. And if you do feel yeah. changes, because younger women do have more dense breast tissue, then you can get it checked out and know, hey, that's normal for me. So if I feel that, like, no sweat, that's my normal. So just know that going into it. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so <laughs> this, like, um, an exam is something I never would have thought about. You kind of learn about it in, like, elementary, and at that time, you're like, still picking your nose so like a breast exam doesn't make sense to right. you and then you hit 30 and you're like I don't need to do that mm -hmm. I'll get that exam when I'm 40 50 years old yeah um so every first of the month Casey shoots her friends it's a feel it on the first yeah and that what and that what uh -huh. she said yeah you got it so uh for all the women out there I definitely encourage this and even men honestly I right. had one or two guys go in with breast cancer and as crazy as that sounds this exam needs to be done for both men and women. 100%. And like you said, it's only 4%, but that's a lot of people. It is. And, and sadly enough, I know a lot of that 4%. I have met women yeah. and um, I've got several girls that I talk to weekly who are around my age. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but there are, and you know, the older we get that number, unfortunately will go higher and higher. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your time frame. I know you kind of touched on this earlier, but just sitting and waiting for results. You said it was super fast. Didn't you? Yeah. So as far as that goes, that was fast. Um, I don't think it's usually like that. I think that they sensed that something was wrong. And okay. um, because normally I think it takes about two weeks to get in after you get a, a abnormal mammogram, at least at, at Baptist Breast Center where I went. Um, but I think they realized this is a young girl and this doesn't look good. And so they got me in within two days. Now I will say after that, it did take, um, it's about a week or so before you even figure out maybe two weeks, has it spread? What stage is it? You know, everyone's asking those questions, but you've got a lot of, it's overwhelming. You've got a lot of tests to do, um, a lot of scans, a lot of genetic testing. That's another big thing that I think all women should do genetic testing just to see if they do carry the BRCA gene. Um, I did not. Yeah. Um, but you know, here I am. So, <laughs> so I'll never forget though. It was Jesse, me, my mom and my dad, and we were sitting in that waiting room. And I think those appointments are the hardest. My six month follow-ups and that initial appointment of her saying, 
She walked through the doors. Dr. Gentry, who is amazing at Cartat. Love you, Dr. Gentry. She walked in and said, your cancer hasn't spread anywhere. You're good. And I was like, oh, right. It's in one place. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. And so, but until you hear those words, um, the waiting's the hardest. It really is. I mean, that's with anything in your life. It doesn't have to be cancer. Until you know answers, the unknown is terrible. It's awful. And to look at two babies, you know, yeah. that's hard. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. How did you balance this diagnosis and all the treatments you had to go to with parenting two tiny kids and being married and going to work, all of this stuff? Right. So that was difficult. I wish I could sit here and say that um, Jesse and I were made stronger through this and it was just the best thing that happened because we are just doing great now as a couple and these kids are such a blessing and it was, it was a lot of that is true, but sure. in all reality, it was awful. I mean, Jesse, if y'all know Jesse, um, he works a lot and like I watch those babies on my own a lot and he'll admit it. I mean, he does. And so him having to kind of step in and not only be a caregiver, but to take on that role at home was hard. Um, and it also made me feel bad because I'm supposed to be doing that stuff. Okay. I'm supposed to be doing the bottles and all of that. This is my one-year-old's first year of life. And unfortunately, um, I had to put myself first for the first time with those kids and with my husband, because if I didn't take care of myself, I wouldn't be here in the future for them. So that's hard. I think it's hard for any mom, um, whether you're going through breast cancer or just a hard time in your marriage or anything. Um, I had to put myself first and really make my health a priority. I'm working on that now. Um, just trying to do everything I can now to be the best version of myself um, for the kids. But, you know, I, there were days I sent my kids to school without shoes on. And it was okay. I'm serious. I did it more than once. You can ask all the girls I work with. Um, yeah. Shep, uh, he didn't have milk in his bottles a couple of times. And yeah. you know what? They survived. They're resilient. They're okay. Mac didn't really question why I was bald, which was <laughs> great and weird. But yeah. they are. And I think you just have to give yourself some grace um, with your partner and with being a mom and all those roles and Jesse never hesitated to call the doctor back and say, hey, she's worried about this. What do we need to do? Or, you know, make those appointments for me. That was major. Um, yeah, I'm blessed because of him and the boys. The youngest will never know. And the oldest will look back at pictures and wonder why he wore my wig. So, you know, it just, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. It was hard. It definitely was. And we, sure. we are so strong for that now. But, um when you're going through something like that, I just craved normalcy so bad. I just wanted to just wake up and let it be all a dream. And it, it just wasn't. So, yeah, you know, man, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Going with that. So, um, I met you guys at the hospital a few times for your treatments and things like that. Uh, and Jesse was always there always with you, always had a little bag, like your bag, had the kids bag, was juggling them, uh, as well as your parents, but yeah. I, Jesse, all the high fives, and I know I told him in the moment, but he was amazing he was. Yeah. Uh, during, during all of this, mm -hmm. and man, you guys just had a really good team going, but I, st I still know how crazy hard it was for you. He actually called yesterday and was talking about being uh, at his job last night and you having the kids <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. yeah, I know. I can only imagine how hard that was. Yeah. Since your diagnosis, how has your mindset changed? So for example, do you feel like you worry more or less about the future, things to come? Have your priorities changed? Do you appreciate some things more or less than you used to? So what's kind of shifted? Um, yeah, I think I'm constantly working on this. Um, obviously, you know, right after I was diagnosed, I mean, not diagnosed, right after I finished treatment, I think is when I suffered the most, believe it or not. And I think it's because you spend so many days um, going from appointment to appointment and it almost becomes like you're normal and you 
you almost get into this pattern of like, okay, someone's looking at me today, so I'm not going to die today. Right. And you honestly think that like, well, then it went from, especially with the type that I had, there's no drugs that I can take, no pill that I can take daily to help prevent reoccurrence. And so that hit me hard. And I wanted something to take that could keep this terrible disease from coming back. Um, and so that was hard. And um, I'm trying so so diligently now to not worry as much. Um, I think that, I, so I started counseling. Um, her name is Jan Pettigrew and she was recommended to me by Lauren Coker. Um, Stringer and her saw, yeah, they saw Jan and she is an oncology and grief crisis counselor. Wow. And she specializes in people like me who, get through treatment. And she told me, she said, Casey, honestly, I see the majority of my breast cancer patients after they finish treatment. And I thought, but I'm done. I'm supposed to live my life, go on vacations and take my kids to school. I'm not supposed to worry about this every day. That was not the case. And it became a terrible, I mean, every day, every five minutes. And Jesse looked at me and he was like, Casey, you can't live the rest of your life like this. And I thought, you're right. Like, why beat cancer if you're not going to live now? I mean, you've got to. And so I called her in, in the um, summer after I finished radiation. And um, and it helped so much. It helped. And it got me to that first six-month checkup. And everything turned out good. But honestly, I thought I'd feel better after that. But it was like, okay, well, now I have to go six more months. What am I supposed to do in between? And no one talks about life after it. And it is... And I say that to say, I don't want to scare people. Not everyone's like that. Sure. And that's sure. another thing. Like my story is not your story. I've had to learn that just because I struggled with it afterwards instead of during. You may not. I've met tons of women that they're like, I didn't really worry about it. It's in God's hands. I'm like, I want to be like you. Bless you. Child. I'm not that way. <laughs> um, and so I kind of hit rock bottom. Honestly, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is great. It, it is. And it's just when you see that thrown up every five seconds in your face and all I hear is metastatic breast cancer um, on the TV 24-7 at work. It's just it was a lot. And I found myself and I've posted about this before on my bathroom floor at work, like legit think I was having a panic attack. And um, that was hard to know that like, how am I supposed to live the rest of my life this way? So I called Jan again and I told her, I said, something's got to give, like, I can't do this forever. Um, I'm worried that I'm not going to see Mac turn five. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm worried that I'm not going to see Shep turn two. And that was in like three months, but that's kind of where I was at with it. Um, and so she gave me a couple of books to read and I just started asking God, like, please, Lord, take this away from me. I, I don't know if I can, if I can do this the rest of my life. And I would talk to my coworkers about it. And which by the way, they're awesome. They listen to me 24 seven, especially two of them. Their moms are breast cancer survivors. And I just remember oh, wow. Ashley calling me and she said, you know, I talked to my mom about that. And she said she felt the same way. And I thought, really? Because I think she kind of has it going on. Like she's like over 10 yeah. years out and she's doing so good now. Like she felt that way. She goes, yeah. And she kind of felt like she wouldn't see Christian graduate. And I was like, I feel that way too. And she said, and she worried that she needed to have everything in order. And that's one thing that um, Jan has really helped me with, which sounds weird. And I wasn't even going to talk about it, but whatever. Um, so basically getting a wheel in line now and writing notes to my kids and writing notes to a few of my friends that will take care of those things. There's something where to happen to me. Um, but honestly doing that stuff kind of released like the stronghold it had on me and it didn't give it so much yeah. power. I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. Um, and so once I did that stuff and I thought, okay, if something happens to me, I know my boys will be taken care of in this way, that way. And this sounds dumb, but for a mom, like I'm going to finish those baby books. Well, that helps me like just sure. doing that sort of thing, doing that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. It changed something in me. And so October went by 
November was a little bit better. And then in December, I called Jan and she said, well, how are you doing? I said, honestly, I think getting a plan together, if something were to happen to me, whether that be cancer or anything, and I think we all need to do that. And I know that sounds weird, but um, especially if you have kiddos, like it just, I don't know, it helps. And so, um, and then December came and it was a brand new month and I have felt so much better and just really my, um, also my church family and my Sunday night or Sunday night, my Wednesday night Bible study. Um, I got more involved with them and um, just, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling now, but, but no, not at all. But that's really um, where I was. It was not good. I mean, Jesse was every morning. And if you've had cancer, which a lot of y'all probably haven't shout out to Daniel Frazier because he's my boy and he yeah. has, and I asked him, I said, how do you deal with this? You know, and every ache and pain in your body, you assume your cancer has come back. And that's where I was. If I had a headache, I thought, I thought it spread to my brain and I'm being honest. Um, if my back hurt, it was spread to my spine. And that, unfortunately that's the life after cancer. And, and every one that I've talked to that's had it has said the same thing. And it, in a weird way, it makes me feel better, but sure. Even there's Daniel, um, even people that haven't had it, I don't know anybody that doesn't know somebody that has yeah. had it. Right. Yeah. So it's, and like you said, the percentages are pretty low, but really anybody on this right now, you cannot tell me you don't know somebody that's either had cancer, passed with cancer, or struggling with it right now. Mm-hmm. It's so common. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to chat with you about it. Um, and I remember that phone call, ironically enough, um, Daniel says, poor paranoia is real. <laughs> um, I had that phone call with you and I guess it would have been around October or something, but um, you, we shed a few tears on the phone talking about counseling and stuff like that and you thought you were going to start seeing one Mm -hmm. um and we just kind of talked a little bit about the mindset of how it's not like yay I'm over it it's like am I over it though and yeah I remember that phone call and I think that's the first time as an outsider looking in Mm -hmm. I thought I that would have never crossed my mind yeah you think oh you're over party right like what are you doing well and it didn't really yeah. cross mine either I thought okay well I'll do uh eight rounds of chemo and then I'll have a mastectomy and then I'll do 25 rounds of radiation and I'll be good right like after that I'm good but um it's much more than that and mentally I mean physically and emotionally I have gone through a lot but mentally I think it's been the hardest thing and um, and some of y'all know my dad was diagnosed in the middle of all that with um, multiple myeloma. And I think ha- us both having um, having gone through that six months apart, it's good to kind of relate with someone. And I'm constantly like, hey, how you doing, dad? Are you good mentally? He's like, I'm okay. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, everyone handles it differently. They really do. And everyone processes things differently. And that was just my journey. But I know I'm not alone in that. I know that, you know, other people have felt the same way. So sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine, like I said, not even going through that. And I still have days that are just so hard. Yeah. And so I can't imagine like getting your world rocked that much yeah. and not even thinking, you know, like the stigma of going to counseling, like it just shouldn't be there because you need to talk to somebody. Like this isn't something that Joe Blow goes through. Yeah. This is a rock your world, almost take your world. Yeah. And she never, she never made me feel bad about it either. She said, look, that is a traumatic event. I mean, it was like PTSD, honestly. And um, it was real. And, and there's a reason why there are people like her. I mean, she really um, taught me how to live after cancer instead of just kind of getting by day to day. And so, yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so uh, as you know, and you and I chatted about, I've actually gone to counseling myself. I'm a huge advocate of keeping up with mental health. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody, I feel like everybody could benefit from chatting with one, but it was the hardest phone call I've ever made. Like I stared at my phone for probably two years before I called. And when I did, I had my first meeting. I went in um, and the first thing she told me was you had traumatic experiences and they're kind of like a messy bird's nest. So one traumatic experience is like a knot in a string. Mm-hmm. And when you have a big one, it's more like a bird's nest, messy. 
and you're not going to fix it by yourself. Right. Right. Like you need somebody to go in and take those little strings and straighten them out, mm-hmm. get you back online. Even if that's just hearing someone professional saying, Hey, it's okay. Yeah. You got this. Yeah. That's literally, sometimes you just need somebody that is in that profession to oh, say, yeah. this is normal. Yeah. Yeah. You're grieving your normalcy and you're finding a new normal. Right. hundred percent. Okay. So do you feel like your priorities have changed a little bit? Oh, yeah. I know that was kind of part of that question. Like, what do you feel like, I don't know, is there something that's now a top priority that wasn't before or something that's kind of gone down on the list? Well, I think the boys have always been top priority, but I just think, um, I guess kind of the way I look at them and I cherish honestly taking them to school and I used to hate drop off like I do I do I want to be the one that does that I want to be the one to wipe Shepard's nasty Cheeto face like that's my job and it does make you have a new perspective because even in the hard I find myself not minding it I'm like this is so tough right now but thank the Lord I'm here to be there and see it all you know so yeah you're it changes so much and, and it's hard. I found myself not being able to relate to a lot of my friends, especially this summer. And, and it was not their fault. Like it's not their fault. They haven't been through. I'm so glad they haven't. I remember telling Jesse, I called him after I left something and I said, I can't relate to these girls right now. And I love, I love these girls. I said, I can't relate to not being able to find something on sale at Target or not getting my favorite Starbucks drink. Like that's not my world right now. I'm going every day to radiation. I'm trying to get these boys to school with their shoes on and milk in their bottle. And (laughs) at that point, I was just happy to have a few sprigs of hair on my head. So it was just hard. And and again, that's not their fault at all. I mean, it's hard to relate to someone who's who's going through that. But um, yeah, I, I think your whole perspective on, on life changes because you just want to live. I mean, you just want to actually live and not just, I don't know, go day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to add to that and not to compare my tours about any means. No, yeah. I just want to say it, it really hits home to hear you talk about, you can't relate to your friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I remember reaching out to you and you may not even remember this, but we had like a two or three hour phone call. And at that time, it was so needed. Yeah, I do uh, remember that. I feel yeah. like, yeah, because when I, I went through losing a best friend, mm-hmm. losing a dad, losing all a relationship that lasted so long. And it all happened within just a couple of weeks. And in that moment, it was the weirdest isolation I've ever felt. Yeah. I couldn't relate to anybody, mm-hmm. the friends that we have by no means their fault whatsoever, but at 20 years old, you've not lost, you've not grieved, you've not, so nobody can even really relate, and the empathy and sympathy is kind of lacking at 20 years old anyway, for sure, and so it really made me feel so isolated and in such a dark place, because nobody could relate to me, Um, so hearing you say that really hits home for me, because I get that, and with, with age, we kind of learned how to empathize and sympathize because you start to lose and grieve yeah. and live life a little bit. Life, yeah. Which is sad. Yeah, which is sad, but we start to relate to each other a little bit more. Um, but I, yeah, you and I had like a two or three I remember. hour phone call. And I was like, <laughs> I know. Like, I needed this so much. I know. I remember yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it was so nice. Yeah, like, it is. Because I, yeah, because you don't want to burden people because no. you're like, they've not been through this. I don't want to talk about this all the right. time. Right. And it was like a pride thing for me um, because yes. I'm a very, uh, str- I, I do feel like I'm a strong person, especially now. And um, I don't know. I just, I didn't want people to know that um, I didn't want it to not look like it was easy. I really wanted it to yeah. look like I can do this and I'm beating cancer and I'm doing that and I'm taking pictures and I'm good and I'm bald. But yeah. really, <laughs> But really, after I was like, you know what, it's just time to be real about it. And I am struggling and I feel so alone, so isolated. So y'all don't get what I'm going through, you know, but there are, there are girls out there that have tremendously helped. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I I get that. And that's kind of what I went through. Like, I remember going through all of that, talking to you about it. I went to work 
with a smile. Nobody knew anything at all. Oh, no. No, no, no. I, I didn't want to. No. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to shed a tear. No. I wanted to act like nothing was wrong. And then I crossed this path. And I think it was kind of with going to see counseling that it made me realize, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just making it rougher for yourself. People relate when you can be relatable. Right. But all you're doing is pushing people away. Yeah. And same for you. Like, I feel like when you came out on Instagram yeah. and Facebook and you started being real, mm-hmm. Casey, your followers, I hear about you from patients that see me in nursing. Like people hear of you and relate to you. And, oh, my sister's cousin heard of Casey because she struggles too. And so I reached out with, like, it's just people want, they want to know they're not alone. Right. And that's the thing. And I always talk about this with my coworker, Ashley, but like, we're all struggling. Like, quit begging. Like, we are all, (laughs) but I get it too, because we've talked about, no one wants to put on Instagram, like a picture of like their kid running around half naked with with food on them. I mean, that's not what, Yeah, but that's real life. And I just, uh, yeah, we we are all so not perfect and have, you know, so. Okay. So fast forward, you've been diagnosed, you've gone through treatment, you've completed surgeries, you did radiation and now you're in remission. Like it was such a blur to keep up with your schedule. I can't even imagine how crazy that was. We kind of talked about how that affected your mental Mm -hmm. health and just finding a new norm, like grieving your old norm, Mm -hmm. all of those things, going to counseling. Yeah. What are ways that you've coped through the whole process? So from diagnosis to now, what do you feel like some ways that have helped you cope? So obviously the counseling, I mean, that was number one. I've, I've mentioned that and it, I'm, I still meet with her. I meet with her Friday. Um, I, I check, I know I check in with her once a month. Um, other than that, I got so big and I still am into worship music. It is my jam. And every morning on the way to work, the girls would see me. I'd come in. There'd be tears. And they're like, you cry this morning? I'm like, yep. Got a good crying. I'm good to go. Um, love yeah. worship music. And I don't know. It really speaks to me. Um, obviously, just like I mentioned earlier, my church family, I mean, I got by with the help of Katie Hurst. She brought meals to my house. Yeah. She brought toys for the kids. And there were people there um, on Sundays that gave us gift cards. I mean, so many of y'all did mailed us gift cards. I was mailed books, um, blanket. I mean, I had so much support and not everyone gets that. I understand that. And I am so blessed by that. Um, So between friends, my coworkers, my boss, love you, Dr. Bridwell. He was so amazing to me as far as just, if I need a day off. In fact, he told me, he was like, don't come to work. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got this. Work was good for me. And not everyone's like that. Work really helped me cope through it. I liked going to work. I liked feeling normal because something. Normal. Yes, I took off the month of December and it was good, but it was also um, Maggie helped me that month. Um, oh, yeah. I was going a little crazy at the house and she came and helped me. She bought it, went through and helped me design my whole living room and bought new furniture and all this and that. Yeah. I was like, whatever, just buy it. But um, I think going to work really helped. And just laughing about it. Laughter, if you, I mean, for me, making fun of my bald head was everything. And it just, it was, and it got me through it. And the different stages of my hair growing out. We've had so much fun at work just goofing off with that. I mean, I don't know. Those girls are amazing. They really are. They made t-shirts for me. They showed up. Got it on. I love it. I love it. I should have worn mine. I wasn't thinking about that. Um, Dr. Brewell started off. Um, making them one by one and the girls went up there on the weekends. I mean, that's amazing. It really is. And um, I have a hard time expressing that because I'll just start crying towards them. But like, that was amazing. And then one thing that um, Miss Jan told me, she was like, she always refers to it as staying in three feet of light. She said, if you've got a flashlight and you shine it out towards the floor, you can see about three feet. She said, but once you get out of that three feet, it's dark. It's scary. You don't know what's going to happen. She said, Casey, you have got to stay within that three feet of light. And I thought, okay. So anytime I'd start to get anxious or think it's coming back, I felt this in my head or my back's hurting. And I just told myself three feet of light, like you've got three feet today. And, and it is so true. And I think that God just gives you that grace. I mean, I don't know. I just, um, I just had to really remind myself like today 
I'm not dying. And I'm serious. I mean, I would tell myself that every day for months. Today, I'm not dying. I will deal with tomorrow, tomorrow, but today I'm not dying. And um, I've got two bookends. She would always tell me, you've got the day you were born and you've got the day you will die. And no one knows this day that you will die until, but God. And she said, and what you do in between is up to you. She was like, that day's going to come. And I know, I know that we all know that, but sure. Anyway, once you're faced with that, it's a little bit different. So yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I remember, so you had a little party is almost like a celebration Mm -hmm. of the last little bit of hair we're going to shave off. And I remember that you and I had talked, I've kept up with the process of it. You told me you'd started losing hair and everything, but that was the moment. And I got a video of it and I shared it today. If you guys want to check it on my Instagram or Facebook, but that was the moment that I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is real. Like you had a really good way of joking about Mm -hmm. it and making it funny. And we kind of joked about like the duckling hair and all the stuff. And then in that moment, it got completely quiet. It did. Jesse took the razor, Mm -hmm. he shaved it. And we all were just like, oh my gosh, this is real. Yeah. I remember looking at y'all's faces. It it was, I mean, well, everybody else was like, oh God, you know, <laughs> and Casey's up there cracking jokes, but I will never forget my, my favorite part of it was one, this, you saved the last little bit for your dad and he shaved it off. And the first thing he told you was how beautiful you were. Yeah. And then Matt came in the room and he said, what do you think? And he said, I love it. You know, like didn't even phase it. I think that was my favorite of the yeah, whole night. Yeah. Just God knew I needed that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like something so big and so scary. And it's like, and he was, he was really the only one I was concerned about. I was like, sorry, Jesse, you're married (laughs) to me. So you can't get rid of me. But Mac, um, I remember he noticed when Molly came in with a haircut and asked, (laughs) he asked where, where she was. Who did? Where's hers hair go? I said, hers hair is at the hairdresser and he, or at the groomers. And so I thought, Dear Lord, if he cannot, and he cried, he cried at that. And so yeah. I thought if he cannot yeah. deal with, and he doesn't like change, if he, if he cannot deal with the dog getting her hair shaved, how am I going to look at him bald? And you know what? God knew. So oh, he, he just, he grabbed your head and left. He it. did. And that was it. That was it. it was like, I, I love it. I love it, mommy. <laughs> yeah. The, the video of Mac, he's like, where hers? <laughs> who he? Who he? No. And you're like, no, it's her. It's Molly. It's like, who he? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite video. Oh Oh my gosh, it's so great. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what would your advice be to people going through something similar? Okay. So, I thought a lot about this. I was talking to Lauren about it before we got on. Um. But number one, I would say just accept the help. At first, Jesse struggled with that more than I did. And he'll admit it. He, um, he felt like I was being made into a charity case and, and that's hard. And, and he's prideful and I'm prideful and we don't need money. We don't need meals. We got this. And honestly, you need help and you need to learn how to accept it. And, and that's okay. Because the, the reality is now we're in a position to where we can help someone. And I thought for the longest, like, I'm always going to be the one that needs help. And I don't want this help, but you do. And you need to just say, thank you. And, and, and you know what, it just is going to keep coming. And I just, I would tell people, thank you so much. And I think a part of me felt bad because I'm the type that wants to handwrite a note to everyone. And, you know, but, um, so accept help, just be glad you have it and return the favor one day. Um, another thing I would say to someone is, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. My story is not your story. Um, I found myself comparing my cancer diagnosis to girls that had the same cancer diagnosis. And then I thought, well, how big is their tumor? Is mine smaller than theirs? And did they have lymph nodes involved? And did their spread? And and you'll drive yourself crazy over that. And you really have to just trust your doctors. Um, I, I can't tell you how much you can go in a tailspin if you start Googling. So don't do that. And I did that and it was awful. And um, I have a good friend, her name's Elise and I love her. And she had the exact same type as me had because she is now cancer free. And and, um, I was always amazed by her because she said, I hadn't Googled one time. I thought I've been up for two hours. Like that's amazing. Um, So that um, there are a couple of things 
that I would hit on, or I wanted to say about what not to do. Um, because I can't tell you how many times, and I don't think people meant it, but they would tell me about their cousin's brother's sister who actually had cancer, but yet they died. And that's never okay. Um, don't do that. It's not, it's not good. It doesn't do anything for me, but stress me out and make me call Jan five times. So don't do that. Um, (laughs) you know, I found it encouraging if someone said, you know what, my mom had breast cancer and she's a survivor and she's doing great. So I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you or I'm praying for you or just, you know, I love you. And it doesn't have to be this sad story every time. Or I did have a a person told me, Oh, Hey, I Googled your survival, right? And you're going to be just fine. Okay. Don't say that to me. Um, and also everyone approaches cancer differently. You can see a functional medicine doctor. You can do the holistic route and not do chemo. And that is up to you. That is your body. And you just have to support those people. Um, I did do chemo and I had several people come up to me that wanted me to try different ways, their teas or their whatever. And just let them do their thing. Let them trust their doctors. Um, so those are kind of some things. And again, I I truly don't think people meant to do it to be hateful. Oh yeah. Um, I just think that sometimes we forget that the things we say can really impact someone when they're going through that. And sometimes less is more. And just, if you, and I've, I've met, I've told a lot of people, um, cause I'm a hygienist, they come through my chair and I've told my story over and over, you know, to each patient. And, um, some of them just said, I'm so sorry to hear that. And it's like, I was waiting for them to say, like they knew someone that died from it, but they, that's all they said. And it was perfect. So just, and their advice, their advice is, ah, ha, ha, yes. ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My favorite's when my dental hygienist asked me a question mm-hmm. and I'm like, we're, uh, we're, good, uh, we're good at that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not to cut you off. So advice for people going through it. One is just kind of do what you want to do and stick with it. Don't listen to holistic versus doctor. Trust yourself. Yeah. Maybe see a counselor. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think you just kind of have to, you're going to get a million different opinions from a million different people that think that their way is best. And for me, it was doing an aggressive treatment plan. Um, and, and that's what worked for me. And I think you just have to learn to respect others that are going through something like that because, you know, everyone has a, has a different way of processing it and there's, there's multiple ways to go about it. So sure. Yeah. And then don't Google. Don't Google. Don't. That's for anybody. Don't Google anything. So hard. I'm bad at that. But I've gotten better. I really have. I mean, to be to be honest, I used to lay in bed and put Mac down at night, and that was what I did. That was my pastime. I looked up survival rates. I looked up how it would spread if it came back. And I mean, you'll go crazy. So don't do that. And then really just again accept the help. Just be glad. Not everyone has it, and it doesn't make you weak. And it doesn't mean that um, you're not a strong person because I, I really think I thought that in the beginning. I didn't really know how we'd never been in a position that we needed help from people. Um, but I was just so glad that the Lord put those people in our lives. So absolutely. I want to say thank you so much again for joining me. Like I was oh, so excited about this. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And I had, I've had so many messages and you can go back and read all these that have been going on since you've been talking okay. Uh, but tons of people excited about this. They, you were one loved girl. Aww. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Thank you. Okay. So you touched on this a little bit, but for me personally, I know watching you go through this, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. All I knew was be there, maybe yeah. send stuff every now and then. Yeah. I know I offered to do things, but I don't know what's too much, what's too little. So for those of us on the outside, what are a few things that were helpful for you? Um, Sometimes people want to help and yeah. don't know what to do or say. So what are some suggestions that you would be, you would say that would be something good to do or to say if somebody's going through Sure. It? So um, dinners are great. And you sent me some lunches. For the days I was home, that was perfect. Bot Squad is your friend, yeah. guys. Like, yeah. uh, So I would say gift cards are fantastic. Um, it helped us stay afloat with the kids. Um, and then also once a week, especially during my chemo 
or it wasn't once a week. It was the day of my chemos. I always had a hot meal when I got home. Um, there, and honestly, I don't even know who organized it now, but, um, I did. And it was nice because I got to come home and there was a hot meal. And then, so I was trying to think of what else, um, really, like I said earlier, I think if you don't know what to say, it's like one of those lessons your mom taught you just don't say anything. And I mean that in the kindest way. It's just, it's crazy how quickly a few little words can really get someone's mind racing when they're going through something like that. Um, let's see meals, watching what you say. Um, and just being there for them. Like I had girls that just sent me little things in the mail. And the thing about that was nice, sometimes it wasn't even related to cancer. It wasn't a self-help book. It was, um, it was lip gloss and some fingernail polish and like fun stuff. I really enjoyed that. Um, I loved all the gifts, but whenever it kind of got my mind off of that, um, I know Lauren, I'm going to call her Robertson McCord. Um, she sent me to get a pedicure and like just little things like that. It was really nice. Um, and all the other girls did too. It's just, um, you know, and I know whenever Megan gave me that bag full of stuff, that was super helpful. We all, y'all got together and it was a bag full of slippers that I could wear and a blanket and just different mints and chapstick and lotion that I would need through chemo. And that was fantastic because I took that bag with me every time. That was my chemo bag. Um, this is kind of random, but a pill organizer is everything. Anytime I hear someone's going through treatment, I'm like, I'm going to send you an Amazon pill organizer and it's going to be your best friend. But it really is. It's little things like that, but mostly just things that got my mind off of it. Um, yeah, I like the most really. Yeah. So something like when you went through it, something for me, like I just felt really called to check on you every year, every, every week. So like on Mondays, I check in, she'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, just checking in, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. I wonder, like, you know, you, you talked about maybe feeling like, um, I, I forgot the word you used, but like help, like people are, like a case study, you know what I mean? But Yeah, like, like a charity so When people want to check, yeah, like a charity mm-hmm. case. So what, like, what's a good thing to send you? Is it, hey, just thinking about you, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Or is it just sending you something? No, like no. And I think it was the simple text because let's be honest, we all know I'm terrible at texting back. I just, <laughs> I mean, just to get, get well, I mean, here was hard for you with me oh, yeah. <laughs> because no, I, well, I mean, I feel like it'd be overwhelming. It is. It is. And I, yeah. I think it's those ones that you don't have to respond back to really. It's yeah. just like, Hey, I'm thinking about you, about you today. And if I can give a little heart, it doesn't mean that I, it's just, I sure. sometimes did not have the energy. Oh, that's one more thing I wanted to say don't feel like you owe to everyone your entire story. Like you get to choose what you want to talk about and what you want to put out there. And for me, sometimes that was putting it all out there. And sometimes it was like, no, I don't really want to talk about it with that group right now. I'm just going to tell them I'm okay. And that's okay. And Miss Jan taught me that. Um, You'll have those select friends when you're going through hard times like that, that you're like, I'm going to tell you everything and, and, and you need to know that. But then there's that, there's those people that they just don't need to know and it's okay. Sure. And I, but for me, I felt like I needed to tell everyone everything anytime I saw them and I wanted to update them and I wanted to text them back everything I was doing, but it's a lot. It's a lot. So. Yes. Yes. Well, that's kind of what I was asking because you're so supported. I can't imagine like like I get stressed out if I look at my phone, I've got 15 texts about different yeah. things. I can't imagine looking at my phone and having 20, 30, 40, 50 people yeah. a day texting me the same thing. Yeah. And so just as an outsider, do you, do people like that? Should we hold back? You know, that kind of, I think, I think it's great to check in. I don't think you need to stop yeah. doing that. I do think in the beginning, no matter what, it's going to be overwhelming um, sure. because you have so much going on and, And the thing that bothered me is I just wanted to, I wanted everyone to know how thankful I was. And it became more about that. I was like, well, I've got to text so-and-so back and did it. And finally, and the girls I work with and Jesse were like, let that go. That does not matter. Yeah. If they truly care, they won't care if you, if they get a response. And so nobody's looking for it. Yeah. And so that, um, that was hard for me though, because I am one of those, like, let me write a thank you card to you. And that wasn't happening at that time in my life. And and I, I'm hoping yeah. people understood that, you know, oh, but yeah, God. I definitely think checking in, um, but maybe not 
needing answers of what's exactly going on. Maybe just like, Hey, I'm thinking about you today. And if you need anything, you know, I'm here and that's all. And you may not get a response back, but you got to be okay with that. So I love it. Yeah. Awesome advice. And Casey, it's been awesome. <sighs> uh, I'm going to, I couldn't read all the comments because there's so many, but you've got a ton of support. Go back and read them when we get off here. Okay. They'll be under the video. Um, amazing. I appreciate Absolutely. it. We'll do it next week. Yes. You can get me out of bath time again. So <laughs> but Monday night, we'll pretend we're doing this. <laughs> Jesse, she's busy. Sorry, Jess. All right. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right. We'll Thank you. Bye. Bye. Absolutely. Canis Dental offers the full range of dental treatment to help keep you smiling. The dental hygienist can assist you in keeping your mouth healthy, offering basic cleanings, depot periodontal cleanings, and whitening options. Dr. Broodwell can restore your smile into great condition with composite fillings, bondings, porcelain crowns, and tooth replacement options like fixed bridges and removable dentures. They even have same-day options. He can also transform your smile, listening to what you might not like about it, and developing a plan to make it better. So if you want the perfect smile, the perfect teeth, reach out to Canis Dental today. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co. Realty. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at townsendtmusic for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone.